The Fasarius Chapter House is the world's first headquarters for Christian ministerial innovation, bringing preachers, leaders, and innovators together to collaborate on new liturgies, resources, and responses to the challenge of our times. This podcast explores the ever-changing era of perpetual upheaval in which effective ministry requires constant imagination, creativity, and change. So, hey everybody, thanks for joining us on this episode of the Fasarius Chapter House podcast. I'm with here with two of my friends, uh, Angela Henning. Say hey, Angela. Hi. Yeah, Angela's here for the Chapter House retreat that we have in March. Uh, with, what are the dates? 25 and 26? Yeah, 25, 26, uh, 2021. And also my friend Amy Coolbaugh. Say hey, Amy. Hey. Yeah, and uh, Amy's also participating here in the retreat. Amy's local, Angela's non-local. Angela from California. Amy from, where are you from originally? Jackson? Ish, yeah. Yeah, Jackson Ish. Mm -hmm. Fair. At this point, I feel like I am also from Jackson Ish. Mm -hmm. Jackson Ish by way of Vancouver, by way of um, who knows. (laughs) Uh, But Angela, why don't you tell everybody uh, where you're from, what you do, and and what brought you here? Okay, um, well, I'm the associate pastor at a church um, above Sacramento, Lincoln, California. I... I think um, my first um, connection with the chapter house was I was in a cohort with Dave that yep. was recommended to me by my senior pastor, Nathan Oates, and he just had so many good things to say about the creativity and all of the things that I could benefit from, so he really recommended that I be a part of your cohort. Well, that's cool. And Nathan and I have a... I can't remember how we first got connected, but but once upon a time, I was auditioning for a job at your church. That's what I heard. Yeah, I was going to... We were talking about when the, your church was first planted, I was a worship pastor. And so Nate and I were talking about me coming along to be the worship pastor. And we were getting pretty close. I and mean, we had three or four meetings, I think. We met in San Diego once at a conference. And then uh, and then God sort of nudged us in a different direction. We ended up at Westwinds. And um, and Nate and I have kept in touch because he's, he's great. I, I like him a lot. I know you probably like him more than I do, but <laughs> I, I like him very much. He's been, and he did that uh, Benedictine project. He got a Lilly grant, didn't he? Mm-hmm. To study Benedictine spirituality. He's got a book coming out with, is it Paraclete? Paraclete Press? Yeah, Paraclete. The book's on stability. I think, I think the title is actually Stability. Yeah. Don't quote me on that. Yeah, yeah, no, that's <laughs> so. right. It keeps changing? Is that- <laughs> it's changed a few times, but I think they landed, last update, I think they landed just on the word stability. Yeah. Okay, that's cool. Well, great spiritual thinker. He's going to teach a class for us here at the Chapter House. Um in just a few weeks online and, and a great guy I love him very much and and Amy's on staff at Westwinds doing all manner of things um, I think the, the theological term is Amy is saving my butt every time I turn around uh, but I most appreciate your sensitivity to the Holy Spirit and your ability to flow in your gifts um, but of course you wear a lot of other hats too so what else do you do? Outside of Westwinds? Yeah um, I'm a home caregiver for mental health and uh certified trauma recovery coach yeah so walking that out and then i'm on the board for soar um which yeah. is helping disenfranchised trafficked women um things like that so yeah. a little bit of everything yeah yeah we were talking the other day about how many about how many houses jackson has that are charities you know there's the soar house which what does it stand for it's, uh, it's an acronym right she 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 overcomes and rises yeah she she mm. overcomes and rises uh, a great charity here in Jackson has this beautiful old uh, colonial home, uh, which I tried to buy multiple times for the chapter house. I love that house, but uh, uh, one of the other board members for the Soar House told me she was this wasn't ever going to be your house. This that was, was ours. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and we're not we're not sad with what we got. But then of course the chapter house. Then there's the Make a Difference House. Then there's the what's the there's another house just on the street where my uh, place. Yeah, my place. And so 
lots of houses in Jackson, mm-hmm. um, and and honestly, beautiful houses, which all makes me feel like it's God's neighborhood. <laughs> like like the Lord is slowly eating up real estate um, to move in. So we we were talking this morning at the Chapter House about Matthew chapter six, and there's a line in there, a couple lines in there. Where Jesus says, your, your eye is a lamp that provides light for your body. And when your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. And as we were t- discussing this, we really uh, applied it to COVID. And for me, I just kept thinking, man, um, I think the church has missed so many opportunities during COVID. Uh, because our light has grown dark. You know, we've been looking for uh, church gatherings to be the light. We've been looking for church activities to be the light. But the light of the world is Jesus. And Jesus also turns that around and says, you're the light of the world, meaning you, the church, the people of God, my people, my followers. And um, and we we got to let our light shine again. Um, and as we're going through that conversation, we all had personal reflections. You know, for me, I just kept thinking about how, you know, sometimes I can put the focus on creativity instead of Jesus. And clearly, mm-hmm. creativity is in the slipstream of Jesus, but it's, it's got to be Jesus first, and then creativity, imagination, change, whatever after that. But what, what struck you guys? What were you thinking about this morning? Well, I think as I thought about this morning, I thought about COVID, and I thought about how this season has just been really dark, not just mm-hmm. for a few of us, but I would say for a large number of people across the nation, no matter where you live. Yeah. And I, I just thought about this idea of maybe our eyesight or maybe our vision hasn't been as healthy as it could be so when you're when things are dim sometimes we can't make out shapes as well as we hoped we would or maybe we've um, put hope into something that we thought was good because things were dim and it looked good at the moment so I think a right, lot of but us when you when the lights come on then you go oh right that's yeah. coyote ugly exactly. <laughs> yeah exactly exactly we just can't there's mistaken hope or there's this idea of that maybe as we need to look at where um become healthy make sure our vision is centered on christ that no matter what the good news is around the nation no matter how things change no matter how what happens with this pandemic that the good news shouldn't change on that is christ who our hopes in yeah but it's been really it's been really hard not to be distracted by like little visions or dim lit dimly lit pieces of hope that we think might be our hope and get a little bit off track and maybe not see things as clearly. Yeah. Yeah, here with the recent presidential election, there were certainly lots of people who were putting their hope in one political outcome or another, mm-hmm. which seems so silly. And um, But, of course, there's other kinds of silliness, too, false hopes. I mean, I remember in Canada, uh, we would so often look to the American church, to the great churches of the states, to kind of show us how to do church. And there was this assumption. It was rarely spoken because, you know, Canadians have their own, we have our own, pride, our own dignity, our own ideas, you know, but there was, there was a sort of underlying assumption that if, if the great American churches could crack the code, and then if we could adapt the code they have cracked to our own Canadian context, then, then revival would come, or then we'd be really effective evangelists, or then we could have great Canadian churches, all of which was very well-intentioned. Like, we want to serve Jesus, we want to honor Jesus, but the truth is, like, um, copying what somebody does in Chicago, or San Diego, or Los Angeles, or Jackson, and trying to import it to Vancouver, or to Surrey, or to Sundry, or to Toronto, is just, like, that's, that's not a good strategy. And we have to believe that, that the more we focus on Jesus, the brighter Jesus gets, um, the more deeply we search the scriptures for evidence and, and movement of Jesus, the more the more um, readily able we're able to discern Jesus, even in the darkness. 
or to hear the voice of Jesus. You know, my sheep know my voice and, mm-hmm. um, and so on and so forth. So I, I kept thinking a lot about my own well, sort of church idols, you know, or my church distractions. Um, that when my vision is dim, when it's hard for me to see, what I focus on is like, what's everybody else doing? Mm-hmm. Um, forgetting that, that God's not called us to be them. Yeah. God's called us to be us, you know. Yeah, and I think it, it can be especially distracting when they're not bad things. You know, that they're right. actually good things, but they may not be the good things that Christ is, is leading you towards. Yeah. So, But I do think when things are dim, we, we strain our eyes, and we maybe even hope that the shape we're seeing is is our hope. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. maybe if I can make it out, then mm-hmm. maybe I can follow it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. How about you, Ames? What did you... So I'm a, the trauma person, obviously. So for me, when it when it went, I just kept looking at it as I didn't get how everyone could be so shocked because everyone mm. simultaneously was being hit with a trauma. But we're so scared of even that word or wanting to admit that we have that going on in our lives that people didn't know what to do. And it was simultaneous. And then you take everything away and you have to slow down. And, you know, I think a lot of us we filled gaps, whether it was church or home life, all of it, we filled our lives with things that to keep us busy to avoid. And again, like you said, with the looking good, like sometimes it looks good. So it looks good to go to church and, you know, serve at church or have a small group at church, but how could you get creative and pull that outside of the church and do it yourself? You know, what is my church doing for me? Like I, you know, I would hear that a lot. Like, well, what are we doing? What are we doing? Mm -hmm. Okay. But you are the church, you know, and and that could be taken the the wrong way as well. When you say that it can be, you know, kind of slapstick at somebody and I don't mean it in that way, but it's like, there are things that, um, that I think when you talk the vision, our eye, you know, being the, you know, our eye is our vision. I think there was just so much cloud and muck that nobody could see past it and, um, and got stuck, you know, and then the things Mm -hmm. that came up for me, it was not a healthy time because I had, you know, I had got separated from everything and everything was wiped away like everyone else, but it was not good for me to be isolated. You know, it mm-hmm. wasn't, it wasn't good to be stuck in my house. It wasn't healthy. Um, you know, there was a span where I'm like, I don't know if I can come back to church. I don't know right. if I can come back and be the Amy that everybody thought I was when we came out of it because it had taken me back, you know, quite yep. a bunch of my healing and it gave me anxiety when we started, you know, coming back together. Cause I'm like, no, I don't think I'm going to be Amy, the hunger, you know, hugger again. And I don't right. think I'm going to be that. And it's like, how do I backpedal? Um, so I think even my vision got cloudy in that because that it, it, none of that was taken away from me, but I, I got tricked into thinking it had, you know, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Tricked you like, like, because I can't see mm-hmm. when I reach around, I can't, I can't feel my purse. I can't see my purse. I imagine my purse has been taken. The lights come back on. I realize, oh, it's just on the other side, or it's you know. Mm-hmm. And that's a good that's a good metaphor for the church. We go, oh man, we can't gather. The church is is oppressed, persecuted, ruined, taken away, and like, well, maybe a little. I mean, it is weird that in some places, in Canada, for example, and in, in Ontario, you know, that um, in British Columbia, that the strip clubs are open, that the churches aren't. The restaurants are open, but the churches aren't, and so that that feels weird. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but but at the same time, you go like our our hope is not in gathering. Now mm-hmm. we get help when we gather, yeah. like it's a good thing, it's a biblical thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but our hope is in Jesus and the ministry of Jesus. And like you say, Amy, you know we there were so many times where people would would look to the organization mm-hmm. to perform the functions of the body, 
you know, and that's like looking at your waiter to be your chef, you know, or even looking at your waiter to be your date. And you're like, no, 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 like you're not, the meal isn't from you. Um, the meal isn't for you. And and I remember one of the weird ones for me at, at Westwinds was that we couldn't, we, people kept asking us, when are you going to do more Bible studies? And so I would offer online Zoom Bible studies and then no one would show up to them, you know, or like, you know, half dozen or a dozen people. And then they go, no, no, we want something different. I'm like, you got a Bible. Like, what, what is stopping you? Like, with the proliferation of free resources online, why, why don't we see a massive increase in biblical literacy among Christians right now? Because mm-hmm. it's, it's not the fault of their churches. Yep. Now, why yep. don't we see more holes in the knees of Christians' pants during COVID? Is it is it because their churches haven't facilitated enough prayer meetings? Or because we ourselves are not being humbled to pray? Um, why don't we see more Christians uh, serving their neighbors? Is it because, um, you know, their pastoral staff is lazy and taking a free sabbatical? Or, or is it because we've forgotten that, like, the call of God is first upon me as David. Mm-hmm. And you as Angela and you as Amy. I mean, the call of God is first. I mean, just like with our kids. Like, you would never tell your kid, oh, so sorry, teenage daughter or son. Uh, youth group sucks. Guess you don't have to serve Jesus. No, you're like, who cares if your youth group sucks? Go serve. <laughs> let me show you how. I'm your dad. You know, I mean, there's there's yeah. just such a different ethic and and my hope is that now that covid has gone on and on and on that the church is starting to to rise from its slumber mm-hmm. like now yeah. now we've kind of you know we, we got punched in the mouth we were mm-hmm. on our heels for a second we never went down we didn't get counted out and now i think we're we're ready to punch back mm-hmm. um and punch back with love punch back with joy peace grace Hope, loving kindness, faithfulness, tenderness. We're punching back with acts of service and goodness. Punching back mm-hmm. with new kinds of liturgy and creativity. We're punching back with hope and healing in the name of Jesus. Punching back with sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. And um, um, yeah, and, and do you see evidence of that anywhere? Well, I think because with the people, just as it it froze people, it also if you were spiritually hungry and thought it was your church's responsibility to fill that prior to COVID, then it did come into hey this i have to take ownership of this now you know and so the ones that took ownership and ran with that and dug deep and dug in and did the soul work and you know and said okay jesus let's go like the growth in them like that is where you know there's a healthiness that's going to come out of this that wouldn't have otherwise because it put the ownership on each of us to fill ourselves with Jesus on how we needed to and to step out in the world and to find your lane. I mean, I think about all the different directions pre and I will never pick up everything I had before it. Even just understanding that the church, you know, I was the person like, we need to be doing more, we need to be doing more, maybe not understanding where now I can go, you know, I don't have to create something for somebody to come to the church. I mean, I remember a time when I was at the church Monday through Friday, we had, you know, this was years ago for small groups and people wouldn't come and they want to go and same thing. So I'm like, but I let that go in this season where it's like, it's not actually on me where I, before I would have taken it on is somehow I was failing everyone because I wasn't creating something that they wanted to come do. Well, I resonate with that a ton. I mean, this is a season where I'm just like, I, I can't do anything else. Like yep. I, mm-hmm. I, I, got, I got, I don't know what else you're hoping for a human to do, but like n- now I just kind of laugh, you know, mm-hmm. why don't you do this? Like, <laughs> well, cause I'm not good enough. I mean, mm-hmm. what do you, what do you want me to say? There was one perfect person. It's not me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 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 I woke up in the middle of the night last night 
And I've you know been writing all these poems for Lent and publishing these drawings, and then we've been writing all these poems for the breviary, you know, just mm-hmm. so much. So I'm just always thinking in meter and in, in syllables. And I woke up in the middle of the night and was writing French poetry, <laughs> and I was like, then in in English, I was like, there's there's a perfect man, and and I wish I was him. And I woke up just with that line, I wish I was him. Mm-hmm. Um, not I wish I was like him, but. I wish that people could look to me with the same confidence that they could to Jesus and they can't. And it was such a, like a Holy Spirit moment where I realized like, I am not enough and I was never supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And it reminds me of that passage that also we looked at this morning in Matthew chapter five. You know, if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. If the way you see things causes you to sin, aggressively change the way you see things. If the way you do things cause you to sin, aggressively change the way you do things. And I thought that it's only the pandemic that has forced me to see some things differently and do some things differently and recognize I can't see everything. I can't do everything. Um, And the way our church was, the way my Christianity was, the way my leadership was, um, was causing me and maybe a whole bunch of other people to sin uh, because I was still trying to be Jesus. Mm -hmm. Um, which is just like that's you. Sorry, Davy, you can't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, man, sorry, that was a lot there. I was <laughs> been ruminating on that all day. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's beautiful because it's truth, and yeah, you just think about the lenses. Like we all look from different lenses too. Like Jesus. Jesus is Jesus and the word is the word, but we see it differently from the lens of what we're experiencing and to be able to settle for a minute in ourselves enough to go, Hey, like what lens am I looking at this from? You know, what about me is irritating me in this situation? What about me is feeling like I'm not being, you know, filled enough or taken care enough, like turning it inward. And we're just so uncomfortable with doing that. Um, and that's where he is. And so you saying that and you know, owning that and reflecting that that's beautiful and that is like the most Jesus thing you could do mm. is say I'm not yeah mm. well it's, it's just it's weird to acknowledge your limits you know yeah. and for me my, my limit it's um, I'm not afraid of hard work I'm not afraid of sleeplessness mm-hmm. uh, but there comes a point where you're like I like it, it is physically impossible for me to get up any earlier than 4 a.m. And go to bed any later than midnight and not fall asleep at the wheel of my truck and kill somebody mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then that and do that seven days a week and so you're like okay I like that's just not um, he didn't die on the cross so you could die on the bumper of my truck <laughs> like that's not <laughs> um, his grace has to be sufficient not only for David's ego uh, but for David's ministry and for David's children and for David's friends and mm-hmm. um, that's a, you know that's a, that's just that's just weird it's hard I, I'm not it's not a spiritual um, it's not a spiritual space with which I'm familiar and I think it's an important one yeah, yeah. Right. I was just going to say one of the things that I've noticed is um, our church has always from day one had a big focus on community and I would say that during this time we've um, I don't know it's gone to a different level. And also, I, I hear what you're saying about you just can't do everything. And I feel like that one of the healthy things that's come out for us is that the pastoral staff can't do everything. And pastoral care had to look differently in this season. And 
uh, for example, one of the things that happened, you know, we talked about community, and community would happen on a Sunday morning when we gathered together. Yeah. And early on, I, we had people who were widows and widowers, people who lived by themselves, who were, you know, at home all the time, couldn't even buy groceries. And at the same time, we have a lot of families with young kids who were like, how can we serve others in this time? And one of the first things we did was we connected them. We connected the families with a person, and they would do things like, do you need groceries delivered? Can we drop something off for you? And the funny comment was people began to know each other. They hadn't even, they went to the same church for years, and they didn't even know each other until this moment of like, oh, I'm actually serving this person. And it just, I just felt like it took community to a whole different level in the midst of the season. They became their person they checked on them and you said your church grew numerically during covid yeah 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 it was it's crazy we and we even we haven't had a lot of people who moved out of state during covid but that still we still grew even more despite having families that moved away during covid yeah so yeah it's it's crazy <laughs> it's crazy yeah, yeah. Or it's God. Maybe it's God. <laughs> it's not crazy. It's God. <laughs> let, me, let, me, let me change well, that. Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> my ways are not your ways. Right. right. My right. ways are higher than your ways. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Foolishness of, of the why or whatever. Right, the Foolishness right. of God confounds the why. Whatever the thing is. Yeah, know, yeah. It's not crazy. It's God. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, I love the expression, you know, it's Yahweh or the highway. <laughs> <You're> <laughs> like, that. Sometimes I feel like it's both. I'm, I'm hitching a ride down, you know, <laughs> highway number one <laughs> going, dear God, when are you picking me up? Mm-hmm. Only to remember he's the road in the first place. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what, what do you feel like God's really teaching you during this season? Well, I would say that maybe it's highlighting something that's, that's always been true but this idea that we actually aren't in control which mm-hmm. has never changed we've, we're never, we've never been in control of anything but maybe the season is exposing that truth and making it more mm-hmm. in our face so it's just exposing what's already there mm-hmm. so this idea that I don't know what tomorrow is going to hold I don't even know how we're supposed to do this I mean it's been over a year of what's next week going to look like you yeah. know and but the idea of um Jesus knows and trusting him. And I know that seems so basic when we say that, but it's been something that I've been really like having to even surrender more and more to that truth that it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Maybe some days my eyes aren't good, but I love that you brought that. I'm still hearing Jesus voice. Yeah. And, um, and I, I do think he's going to get to the point where there'll be seasons when our eyesight's probably better. And then seasons where we struggle and things do seem dark, but just maybe listening more intently in these seasons and um, just trusting that like we don't know how it's all going to come down or what's going to happen, but knowing that ultimately Jesus is going to meet those needs, and I don't know how, Mm -hmm. but I don't need to know how. Hmm. That's good. I don't even need to know how. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How about you? Um, I think for me, coming out, like in the way that this, just this, actual 2020 year is going for it you know like Mm. we had so much stripped away and all of the ways that you know we would hold ourselves back I would hold myself back all the doubts all the fears all of the excuses or the reasons anything like that you know what do we actually have to lose like what is the actual cost of the risk I mean Mm -hmm. I'm doing things that I 
like I wouldn't have done before and went like, no, it's, you know, that's just too risky right now. Or, you know, made the reason why it didn't matter right now. And I'm like, okay, at the end of the day, it is just money. And not that I'm someone that has money, but I'm like, no, if I really believe that this is God's path for me Mm -hmm. and I, and this is my passion and my heart and he's giving me the desires of my heart, then this is going to succeed. But if I don't take that step and do it, then, you know, Mm -hmm. he never has the chance to show the fruit of it. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think just, and I think for me, I was, pretty good doing that for other people and empowering other people and helping them but for myself and I think like that's where with each of us like you know we got separate in a way that we have the space to look at it for ourselves for our families um, you know what that looks like and in turn that's what's going to make us as a church healthier yep Mm-hmm. So, I was talking to my mom about that that same kind of issue. You know, if if it's God's really in it, you know, what about, what do I have to lose? You know, if I if I know that it's God, um, and she had a great way of saying it. She said, "Whenever the Lord has called me to make a risk, I have no doubt, mm-hmm. but I still have tension." <laughs> oh, I like, like that. Yeah, yeah, I'm like, oh, that's so good. And I think about that with the chapter house all the time. I mean, the chapter house is the most rewarding work of my entire life. I love it. I love. I didn't think I could ever love anything more than church ministry, and I still love church ministry. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm a local church guy, local church pastor's kid, local church pastor. Um, but the chapter house is such a such a vision, such a, so compelling. Um, but it's terrifying all the time. You know, I drive up here every morning, praying my guts out, going, Lord, you know, I hope that we can figure things out and cover all our bills. And Lord, I hope we can figure things out during the pandemic and get people here. Because what good is a chapter house if you do everything via Zoom, you know? And, <laughs> um, but I never, like, I, my certainty never wavers. Mm-hmm. It's just my heart gets weak, mm-hmm. you know? When my heart and my flesh may fail, but God is the strength of my portion forever. And constantly confessing yeah. that and just saying, okay, Lord, um, I don't know how. I just know that. I know who. Mm-hmm. I just don't know how. Yeah. Uh, I, I know why. I just don't know when. <laughs> <laughs> and that that whole journey is so. Um, what else do you call it? But faith. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Faith and terror. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> the, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who's who's been helping you during all this? Like, what are there voices or are there practices? Um, you know, I, I've stopped some of my prayer practices during COVID <laughs> because they weren't helping me. Like I love soaking prayer, like the music, soaking prayer music. And so I, when the COVID first hit, I'd come to the chapter house because our offices at the church were shut down and I'd put on soaking music throughout the whole house. And then I just sob, like uncontrollably sob, uh, till eventually I was like, I don't like, I, it's making me sad praying the way I've always enjoyed prayer is making me sad and unproductive and feel isolated and alone. And it's not like the practice itself was ungodly. Clearly, it, it's very godly, but it became unhelpful. Um, and so I had to change some of those things. Have you guys had to change anything? And if so, what's, what's helped? I had to communicate how tough it was in the beginning. Hmm. Um, I had to... Like commun- be vulnerable, you mean? Yeah, yeah. like... Yeah, in a in a different way. Like, no, I really mean this because I think it, that people see me stronger than what I am sometimes in some mm-hmm. of my stuff. Like, and and it's like, no, this really is impacting me, and I know that I can hide that very well that it's impacting me. Mm-hmm. So to speak it out. I mean, I remember the sheer terror of the first Sunday we were coming back to church, and how many people were saying, "I can't wait to have a hug," and I'm like, "These people aren't going to be able to touch me." 
And like three days before we had a meeting where I went to and I'm like, oh, thank you, Lord, for giving me practice people that I don't know what this is going to look like and things like that. And then just asking once that happened, then it was asking for help and saying, I can't do this alone because I was also the person that would do it alone. And it was Mm -hmm. really tough for me to ask for help. And from September on, that's all I've been doing, you know, is having to ask for help and receive and, you know, people coming out of the woodwork. and, And that's totally something different that I wouldn't have have done before but again it's just you know what do i have to lose you know like Mm -hmm. let's go and and i don't know i kind of blanked on that like what i just know that that's been something different for me it's really communicating my needs and what it looks like for me and then even just knowing that i can go for it in all avenues like technically even you know coming here doing this sitting here you know it's all different for me um that I'm like, let's go. I'm ready to run. Mm-hmm. There's a different season. I'm not waiting for, I think for me, because I was so used to bad, like there was so much bad and negative that when it hit, it wasn't as traumatizing in the same aspect. Like I had other things from isolation that came up where now I'm like, sweet. Like that really is, you know, I can mm-hmm. handle all the bad. Let's go because Jesus is going to redeem and he's going to, you know, there's going to be goodness. It's how yeah. I endure, you know, not really endure, but get through it, you know, mm-hmm. Hey, let's go. Let's, and yeah, so that's just, there's just a difference. I don't know. There's a piece with it. Um, my prayer looked different because I wasn't driving places all the time. And that was a lot of the the things. And for a minute I beat myself up about it, but I'm like, no, it's okay that it's, you know, different. Yeah. Um, it's a lot easier to pray for three hours a day when you're in the car by yourself for three hours a day mm-hmm. than when you're at home with kids and clients mm-hmm. and all the rest of it for three hours. I mean, that's just, a, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how about you? Anybody that's been helping you? I mean, any practices, voices, books, podcasts, anything that's been helping you? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm really grateful. I just I serve alongside a really healthy staff. So yeah. I feel like it was a it was a safe place to receive grace because I'm I'm very much a type A product driven type of person like and it I mean this whole year was create something, spend all this time and then throw it in the trash can. <laughs> so and this yeah. after a few times you just feel like, What am I doing? It, do I have anything to show for this? And just having to like, actually, I've been having been told by other people to let go of things. And mm. you know, it, it's just this is what the season looks like. And maybe even understand why am I so tired when I feel like I didn't even produce? You know, and all these things. You're looking for something tangible. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like from my personality, I had to be continually told, "This is the season. This is mm. what's going on." And um, and I re- really had to listen to a lot of people who are in ministry similarly to me or I, I meet with my um, spiritual director and just him having to say yep <laughs> you know after I ranted him have to say yeah that's how it is that's exactly what's happening right mm-hmm. now and just mm-hmm. know that this is the reality and I'm not not in control and just accept grace mm-hmm. so yeah mm, that's good it's it's it's, uh, it's hard yeah yeah good and hard mm-hmm Yeah, it was such a season of isolation, you know. My, um, not not I mean, we had, we had uh, you know once upon a time a really um, vivacious staff culture at Westmans, um, and then over the years that you know the wheels came off of that a little bit, and then when when COVID hit, then then there was like no staff culture, you know. Um, so then it's cavernously empty. Um, at the church and, and at here and that was really I think the Lord has really used that to refine me um, and I didn't want to be refined <laughs> like <laughs> like I want to be a, 
an electrical fire, you know? Mm-hmm. And when you say things like, um, you know, I have to realize it's not your fault, or there's a, I go, I, I, man, I, I carried so much of that. And, and even during COVID, you know, we've tried so many things with Chapter House. We've tried so many things with Westwinds. I mean, I've preached uh, well over 700 times in the last year. I mean, just crazy amounts and different mm-hmm. kinds of, 14 different kinds of online services and everything I can think of. And there's still no revival. And there's still no uh, mm-hmm. mass return to church. And there's still no breakout mm-hmm. of evangelistic fervor. And there's still not great discipleship. And you just realize, like, having done all I can do, all that's left to do is stand. Mm-hmm. You just stand. Mm-hmm. And you go, it's not my fault. Um, it's my, my. It feels like my responsibility, mm-hmm. um, but it's not my fault. And and it also, I think, had I done all this stuff, and there would have been dramatic results. I think then probably I'd be having the whole the opposite spiritual battle for which I'm much less well equipped. Which is then I'd go look what I did, <laughs> <laughs> and and yeah. God just has to remind you, Davy. Like I've I've set this work before you. Do this work. Mm-hmm. And if what you end up with is a, a rec, or, you know, a litany of failures and you know things that just didn't quite work, that's just no. Uh, I'm not here to be impressed by you, mm-hmm. Dave. I'm here to walk with you, and yeah. you know you're wired this way, so we'll do some of these things. But at the end of the day, Dave, th- this is my world. This is my church. You be faithful. Mm-hmm. Don't get ahead of yourself. Um, and boy, that's a hard. That's a really hard message to accept. Yeah. Um, but so important. Yeah, we're not we're not responsible for the results. Yeah. We're just responsible for obeying what God's asking us to do. And yeah. which is, if we can accept it, it's. I mean, it's a burden lifted off our shoulders. But it's yeah. really hard to not want certain results to happen. Yeah. Well, it's funny because you know you go you you can tweak your process to optimize the results that you can control. Mm-hmm. Um. But it's very hard to control something like how many people are going to come to church on Sunday after we find out Friday night at 10 if we're allowed to have it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, and, you just, you just, and that, that's what I think one of the biggest blessings for me, and I've, I've said that in, I think previously in the podcast, is just COVID has released me from the tyranny of numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, and I'm, I'm not wired to, like I'm not motivated by bigger crowds I don't chase after people in hopes that they stay at the church. Like I just, I, I have much more of a prophetic personality. You know, if somebody doesn't like something, I'm happy to show them the back door. And like, I'm not, I'm not here to be your grocery getter. You know, and um, I want to serve you. I want to love you. I don't want to pacify you. I don't want to placate you. I don't want to be your whipping boy. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so, but still, even with that personality, my whole life. All you ever think about from Sunday morning to Sunday morning is, I hope there's another couple hundred people here this week. And I can't think of a single church service in my entire life um, as a parishioner, as a drummer, as a youth pastor. As a, I never, not my entire life of going to church, there's a, never been a single Sunday where I was happy with the number of people that are there. Hmm. And I go, well, if me with my non-numbers wiring am still that preoccupied with numbers. Once once COVID took that preoccupation away, like I go, it feels so liberating. Mm-hmm. And again, that, that never would have happened in my spirit if it wasn't for the pandemic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anything else that sticks out to you? Lessons that you wouldn't otherwise have learned? 
Because I know at 4.51 in the afternoon after a long day and some heavy meals, you're at your sharpest and most theologically astute. Now, when you just said that, though, it came to mind for me um, was, you know, the how you're like, okay, here you can go. You know what I mean? Like you're mm-hmm. not going to hang on. And I think sometimes people could see that as a negative, like, oh, he doesn't care. But I'm like, no, that's one of the most loving things we can do for people. Yeah. Like in any aspect and really the church, like, no, you have, you know, if, if this is not your place and this is not, you know, I'm not the person that you're best equipped to walk your walk with Jesus. Like there's freedom in that, you know, there, <laughs> there, you know, in yeah. a, but, but it's, but in a way where you hear it more negatively, right? Then, then on like, hey, it's actually a gift to you. Like, you should actually be like, oh, I'm not actually just a number because right. he's not saying stay right. and keep me as a number. Well, you know? I, I had one of the most offensive uh, exchanges with somebody from the church earlier this year, where they said they they weren't a fan, and they said, honestly, I see you up there every Sunday, and it just makes me sick. I want to throw up. Oh and I said, then leave. And they're like, well, don't you understand? If I leave, a lot of other people will leave, leave with me. I said, I don't care. Don't do me any favors. It doesn't help me to w- look at you out there and look at you hating me. Mm-hmm. I go, and so I'm not kicking you out, but don't let, don't be under the false impression that I'm somehow going to be grateful to you for staying when you hate me. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, let's agree to not hang out together <laughs> if... I make you ill. If I am <laughs> cancer to your... Um, yeah. Well. <laughs> well, this is definitely for the season. I'm not quite like you, Dave, where I... My history has been more like, I want everybody to like me, yeah. and I want to make everybody happy, and I think if there's ever a season to break that habit, it's been this one. Because <laughs> <laughs> there is no way that yeah. I've made, probably multiple times a day, something related to me or related to ministry oh, sure. has made... Half the people happy and half the people, yeah, you know, sad with me or mad with me or whatever you want to say, you know. <laughs> so I feel like um, I was telling Amy earlier that one of the pastors on staff with us said, you know what, disappointing people is good for you. Because you know, <laughs> that's it, your, your <laughs> spiritual gift of disappointing people. Well, <laughs> I hate it, and but it, it struck a chord because I'm like, yeah, I do, I do need to like. Not that I'm out sitting out to do it, but you know, right. it's, it's one of those things where I hate doing it, but. The truth is, I'm going to do it. Yeah. And a lot of times, I'm doing it out the right out the right reasons. Sometimes yeah. I'm disappointing people, but I just need to, you know, trust God with my reputation. Trust God as long as right. He and I, as long as I know I'm serving Him and I feel at peace with how He's leading me, I the rest just has to fall away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Well, a little bit. I'm a. Um, what's it called the egg that's mostly cooked all the way through like a hard boiled egg with a soft gooey center because I do have that soft gooey center mm-hmm. like I'll tell people to pound sand <laughs> but I, but I that, uh, honestly that's just you know 25 plus years of ministry experience because um, people say stuff and it hurts you know yeah. mm-hmm. um, somebody said to me the other day like I just think you're so arrogant and I'm like what uh, that, okay thank you um, ow <laughs> uh, I don't want to be arrogant and they go, well, you do all these things, and it's so clear you think you're so great. You know, if you're writing books or you're doing videos, or whatever. I'm like, every single time I do something like that, I'm so far out on a limb creatively. Mm-hmm. You know, where you're going like, man, I. And in your in your head are all the people who say that's stupid. You're trying too hard. Why do you do that? Why don't you just stick to, you know, stuff you know is going to work? And why? And, and so, so like, in order to get yourself geared up to take those kind of risks. 
You gotta you gotta armor up. You gotta project confidence. You gotta pray yourself through. And then on the far side, for them to go, well, look at you, you arrogant prick. You're like, wow, that's oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I just think of Jesus saying, um, the world hated me. Don't be surprised if they hate mm-hmm. you too. Mm-hmm. Servant's not greater than his master. Mm-hmm. And in your own heart, you can go, Lord Jesus, forgive me for my ego. I don't want that. I, I also. I'm so scared and so small and so ill-equipped and but there's these things that, to which you've called me so I, I want to do them uh, and you know and this this funny dance of mm-hmm. of um, you know finding confidence and maybe overreaching and then mm-hmm. repenting and then becoming a useless bag of quivering goo because now you're too <laughs> soft and then you got to get back up on your feet and and that's I think one of the real gifts of of being in church ministry, especially being in platform ministry, as you go, like you got to sort, you got to go through that cycle before Sunday morning at eight thirty. Mm. You know, you got to mm-hmm. repent, you got to get confident, you got to get prepared yeah. before the first service on Sunday morning. And honestly, if I if I didn't have that regular rhythm to keep me honest, I'd still be, um, you know, either repenting from the things twenty years ago, or, <laughs> or or still crying from the things twenty years ago. It's just. Um, that and, and with COVID, with so, so many increased requirements, so mm-hmm. much additional teaching, you got to go through it that much faster. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, now my repentance cycle is six hours mm-hmm. <laughs> instead, of, instead of six and a half days. Like, oh, crap. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I try and keep the podcast an hour long so we can have 17 minutes of silence if you like. <laughs> <laughs> it's very, it's a very contemplative podcast. <laughs> I'm just meditating right now. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh. Yeah. oh my gosh. Hmm. I was with my, my mentor uh, just a week or so ago and uh, I told him, I said, I don't think I've ever seen you look happier. And he said, oh, it's been a, such a hard year. And I said, but I see you doing all this stuff. And, and he goes, yeah. He goes, I do all this stuff because activity is the best antidepressant. Hmm. Um, and for myself, for Carmel, my wife, you know, that's, that's, that's been so true. As you go, you just, um, it, you know, it's going back to the scripture we read in Matthew, you know, when it's dark and you're scared, you slow down. Mm-hmm. And when you're unsure, sometimes you just stop entirely. Um, but, you know, if, I, and I kind of imagine, you know, going through a swamp at night or a bog at mm-hmm. night. And, and you think, oh, maybe I'm going the wrong direction, so I should stop and wait for daybreak. But you know, if, if you're in a swamp, you now you just made yourself easier prey for alligators mm-hmm. or piranhas or, you know, rednecks or whatever. Like, <laughs> you, know, you, you, you keep moving, buddy. Um, yeah. Because, because when you just sit there and think about how scared you are and how many mosquitoes there are and wonder what's in the shadowy places, I mean, that's, yeah. a, that's dangerous. Yeah, I've thought about that this year. Is like even as a staff, we've, done, we've made some scary decisions. You know, we've, yeah. we've spent money in a season where, like, the, the future seems so unclear, but I, I, I know that as I look back, we haven't regretted those risks. We haven't, yeah. you know, that marching forward into the unknown, it's so much better than as you look back than staying in the middle of that swamp or whatever you're yeah. saying. Yeah, it's, it's been good. It's been, 
feels um, feels like well, it is. It's faith. It's faith. But yeah. it's been it, in hindsight, it's been especially sweet to know yeah. that you know what we we took some risks. Yeah. But taking risks are just. I'd rather take a risk and fail yeah. than just be you know stagnant. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's you know there's been so many parts of the scripture to which I've been driven this season that surprised me. You know, like I love the the book of Ecclesiastes. I love Ecclesiastes, and uh, and I kept wanting to read Ecclesiastes in in COVID. And every time I would, I would get redirected. You know, um, which is really weird because you're like, how can it be wrong to read the Bible? And clearly, it's not wrong. It's just maybe not the most helpful portion of the Bible to read. But I found so much new insight and new help in uh, Leviticus, Numbers, hmm. Lamentations, Revelation, uh, Hebrews. Um, you know, it's so so much more wisdom and insight in Job, um, in, in Genesis, in Deuteronomy. And you go like, that's, I, I wonder if for these weirdo times, these once-in-a-lifetime seasons, if this isn't where we start to read all those other parts of our Bible that we usually skip over. Mm-hmm. Um, because because normally, like, who cares about numbers? It's just people going around and around and around in a circle with, with meaningless data coming at you. <laughs> I'm like, oh, this seems like the news. This seems like, you know, you might as well be reading COVID deaths as the number of Levites, and you know, and, but yeah. they just go like, there's such symmetry between the Bible and life if you look at it with fresh eyes. And that's, you know, going back to that scripture in Matthew, that's really, that's bringing light to my eyes. That's bringing light to my spirit mm-hmm. is to be going constantly into the scripture saying, I know there are answers in here. I know there's comfort in here. I know there's perspective in here if I'll find, if I can dig for it, if I can trust the spirit to reveal Jesus in the scriptures, I know he's in there in ways that I have not previously seen him, and I know he's in there in ways that I need him right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's been really cool. That's good. Yeah. So one day I'll get to Ecclesiastes again. <laughs> <laughs> I really miss it, you know? <laughs> um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You look like you have something on the tip of your tongue where you're just... You're about to tell me that the Lord has driven you to Ecclesiastes. No, I'm no. Really jealous. You know? Uh, uh-uh. no. I'm just thinking about how because when you know when you're naming off the different books, I'm like, it's just also been this huge season of weight, mm-hmm. and it's so uncomfortable. And when you think about the books of the I mean, Bible like, that you're I mean, talking, like, weight, through, like don't go yet, or weight just like heaviness, all of it, both, yeah. both and you know, and it's and it's like, yeah, of course, those also aren't the fun books to read because right. there's heavy truth behind all of that you know and and yeah so that was just what i was ruminating on that it's like it's also prevalent with with everything that is going on right now like there isn't better books and yeah sometimes you know the more upbeat feels better but Mm -hmm. the reality of hey this has been done before i'm not alone this isn't new Mm -hmm. it is for me you know it is for us right now but like it, it it isn't actually new you know there's kind of a piece behind that yeah, yeah, it's like like that. Maybe God knew what He was doing. Yeah, thank. <laughs> yeah, because um, if I was editing the Bible, I'd take a lot out. All right, yeah. we don't need this crap here. You know, <laughs> this is like a numbers. We can take most of this out. You know, 
I, I do I often think about, I mean, Revelation is such a great companion to this present circumstance. Um, in particular, I, I love the episode in Revelation 11 of the two witnesses. You know, they get out and they speak truth in, the, in spite of great opposition. They speak truth in spite of great uh, persecution, um, in spite of tribulation, which is the Greek word thalipsis that means pressure. So they, they speak truth in spite of the pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they're, they're murdered for it, um, supernaturally anti, you know, anti-Christianly murdered for it. And the people around them just dance on their grave and, and I see that in our culture. You know, the church is speaking truth and the church is getting beaten up. And as the church falters, the culture is dancing on our grave going, look at you Christians, look mm-hmm. at you goofballs, look at you, you know, anti-science, whatever's, look mm-hmm. at whatever, whatever the names are. Um, but then, of course, in Revelation 11, the two witnesses get back up. <laughs> and, and then everybody runs away in terror because they're now mm-hmm. confronted, I think, with the shame of their mockery. Mm-hmm. And with the truth of God's life, mm-hmm. um, and that there's always life after death, and I just think that's that's what's coming for the church, man. Is we're going to get back on our feet, mm-hmm. and, and we're going to speak truth again, and maybe they'll kill us a second time, and then we'll get up a third time, and mm-hmm. then maybe they'll kill us a fourth time, and we'll get up a fifth time, and like mm-hmm. um, because greater is He that's in us than He that's in the world. I mean, we we have something the world cannot squash we have something that our adversaries um, cannot contain mm-hmm. in the life giving power of God and, and, and amen. man we need to remember yeah. that yeah, yeah. good well last any, any last insights uh, final thoughts curiosities cautions we didn't make it in 17 minutes of silence but you know, <laughs> that was like two <laughs> but, you, know, you don't want to flog a dead person <laughs> yeah was that a uh-uh? Yeah, yeah that was not uh-uh. Your, your final, my, my last words are, ah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Wait, did I really just get uh-uh, I'm good, and yeah? That's, right. that's it. You got, you got deep, yeah. deep thought over yeah, here. Yeah, so, yeah, that's right. Contemplation. It's, it's 20 minutes from now, you'll go like, you know, I should have said this. And, yeah, exactly. Okay. Story of my life. Yeah. Well, you know, some people like to prepare for things. And, <laughs> <laughs> we, yeah, yeah. Well, thanks everybody for joining us, and uh, and uh, feel free to check out Angela and Amy. I'll put their contact info uh, for their respective ministries in the in the episode description. But we love you. God bless you, and we want you all to come to Chapter House, man. Come and check it out. Um, we're doing something here that I think is really special. We're creating mm-hmm. a fraternity of men and women from all denominations, from all Christian backgrounds, people who love and celebrate Jesus and want to express divine creativity in our ministries. And uh, we are competent and naive idealists. Uh, what was the thing we said today? We don't want to die without any scars. So yeah, yeah we're yeah. going we're gonna to show up on the doorsteps of heaven with very broken noses and very <laughs> busted up wings and we'll be quite happy about it. So yeah. grace and peace, everybody. Thank you.